All right, so we are into the month of October, and we're once again joined by Tom Seams, the SBS's senior economist, to talk a bit about the economy. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Thank you, Matt. So looking back into September, looking at some of these reports that are coming out in October, what's the big story right now? Well, I'm calling this the bullwhip recovery. Um, Are you familiar with the bullwhip effect that's often responsible for disrupting business supply chains? Uh, I am so, not. So you can you can tell me a bit about it. Yeah. So picture um, the whiplash as a bullwhip is cracked, and the phenomena here represents the instabilities and fluctuations in product and supplier orders, and the impact on inventories as the information on the demand side fails to equate to supply. So, with perfect information. Producers would supply goods and services like just in time as they were demanded. You wanted a, a gallon of milk, it would just like magically show up and then the next one would come down for the next person. Um, but with the pandemic, the information on demand for certain goods and services, you know, changed dramatically and it really became very hard to predict. And this happened at the same time that the um, supplier networks, you know, think semiconductors, think, you know, lots of different things, um, they were forced to shut down. And so this created a lot of distortions and instabilities in supply chains that had gotten used to running fairly smoothly and predictably. So my point is the disruptions to many industry supply chains has significantly disrupted our economy. Um, returning employment is problematic. Inflation is not currently under control, in my opinion. Bottlenecks could constrain manufacturing well into 2022, and certain supply chain shocks could choke off the recovery in some regions. And just uh, uh, if you want to learn more about this, about the bullwhip effect, um, one thing you can do is you can check out the beer game on the Internet to learn more about the bullwhip effect in supply chains. It's kind of a simulation you can play uh, that kind of teach this whole thing. Oh, we'll have to get a link into the story for that. So you mentioned inflation really quick, you know, really quick in there. Where are we at with inflation? It seems like the number year over year is a little down from a couple months ago, but still elevated. What are we looking at with inflation? You you say you don't think it's under control. Yeah. um, You know, the the you're right. The numbers are trending down the last couple of months. Uh, but again, I think with all these supply chain bottlenecks and issues, we're, this is not going to be as transitory as the Fed would like it to be. OK, so when they were saying it was transitory they're they were basically saying, you know, we look at inflation on a year over year basis and compared to last year, you know, it's going to look big uh, because things were down last year at this time and then it's going to smooth back out. But I think we baked in. Um, some pretty big price increases. And with the employment shortfalls and employers starting to bid up wages, um, this has to, in my opinion, has to flow through and uh, could increase inflation in the future. So the numbers right now, you know, I think it's like 4.3% for PCE. Um, You know, that's the, uh, uh, the consumer um, index uh, for inflation. Um, the, the important one I think to look at is the Dallas Fed has one called the trimmed mean. 
And that's actually showing that inflation's running at about two percent, but that's as high as it's it's as it's been in some time. So I know the Fed wants to allow inflation to kind of drift above two percent, and they'll be okay with that. Um, but I'm just concerned that a lot of things are kind of baked in, and we still have bottlenecks and and so forth. So that's why I'm saying it. I don't think it's in the bottle yet. You know, it's not under control. So some of those prices are are baked in. We're not gonna we're not gonna see those costs come back to the consumer. You think? I, there was a really interesting quote just before the jobs report came out from from Jay Powell. Uh, he said when, when talking about the taper, and you can explain a bit about about what the taper is. It wouldn't take a knockout, great, super strong employment report. It would take a reasonably good employment report for me to feel like the job market is strong enough to begin withdrawing support. So that's a really interesting statement. You know, the Fed likes to, to signal really far in advance what they're going to do. It feels like the type mm-hmm. of thing that he probably said expecting a decently strong jobs report. And it seems mm-hmm. like the jobs report was pretty disappointing. So, so what is the Fed thinking right now? Yeah, great question. So uh, you're exactly right. The last employment report was um, unexpected. You know, it was a disappointment. I think it came in at 194,000 um jobs now they did revise up the last couple of months so that made things look better and then if you look at the unemployment rate that made it look really great right dropped from 5.2 percent to 4.8 but the uh the reason for that decline um wasn't good it was uh it was because a lot of people pulled themselves out of the labor force and so it changed that uh denominator pretty big to make that percentage look good so the fed you know um what their focus really uh, has been in the last year unemployment primarily, right? And they said that they would allow inflation to trend up as a result of that. And that tapering has to do with their, um, you know, 120 billion or so additional bond buying that they're doing every month of treasury securities and some mortgage-backed securities, which are, you know, keeping rates low and putting a lot of money out in the uh, in the financial system. And so they want to, they want to start pulling back on that, but they also want to get people back to work. And so their thinking is that that might slow that down further, might slow down the reemployment and employment prospects um, going forward. So it's a, it's a delicate balancing act and they do move rather slowly and they do try to, um, you know, transmit or, you know, let you know what's going to happen um, uh, down the road before they actually do things, but we're we're in kind of a a weird time right now. I think uh, the economy, in my opinion, could go in <laughs> any of many multiple directions. So, so in your view, with with the Fed indicating that very soon they're going to begin tapering, you feel like that hasn't changed, or or do you feel like this jobs report changes what they're looking at? I, I don't think that they've gotten the information they need to uh, to s- start tapering right away. There's some talks that it could start um, in December. Um, but if, again, if they have just a couple hundred thousand jobs added when we're still five million short of where we were 18 months ago, uh, I, I think they're going to wait even further. Got it. Are there any other economic indicators that you saw this month that really interested you or really stuck out to you? 
you know, honestly, this last month, there wasn't a lot of really good news that came out. And the ones that did came with um, caveats. I think probably the best news that came out is that it appears like the Delta variant's grip in the economy the past few months is loosening. So if you look at COVID cases, hospitalizations, deaths, these are all trending down right now. And I think that's good news. And that would normally spark employment growth and ease some of the labor supply issues. Uh, but like I said last month, I, I think there's a caveat on that. I remain concerned that uh, a lot of the vaccine mandates um, could end up causing even more employment, uh, employment problems and have a negative impact on, on growth and reemployment down the road. So a lot of the good news came with these caveats, you know, with the unemployment rate dropping, for example, and people exiting the labor force. And you have to ask, well, why? Why are they exiting? And we don't have all the answers to that. Are they exiting because the Delta variant was out there? That's probably a pretty good reason. Are they exiting because of the vaccine mandates? You know, maybe. Are they exiting because of child care issues? Because they, you know, someone has to stay home um, in many cases and watch children. And, and uh, or, or, you know, are they sitting or are they staying at home because they have a lot of cash from government stimulus from previous months? And they think they can just, you know, hold hold over for a little bit. I don't I don't have all the answers, but um, it is interesting how many people exited the labor force last month. And there's still tremendous numbers of job openings. Yeah. And with all that said, you've talked about some some numbers. What indicators should regulators be watching in the coming months to get a feel for for what they should be concerned about? Yeah, good. Um, you know, I, again, I think. The primary ones are to, are to watch some of the big level employment, inflation, uh, production, you know, even earnings kinds of things. Um, let me mention, you know, we just ran our CSBS Community Bank Sentiment Index. So we just got the third quarter results and uh, released uh, a press release on that last week. And it showed a decline in optimism among our community banks. So the overall index fell from 115 in the two previous quarters of this year to 100 in this third quarter. Now, 100 kind of signals a neutral level so that they're neither optimistic nor pessimistic. But the drop from 115 to 100 kind of tells us that there was um, a decline in optimism. And so when you take that apart and you look at the components that make up the index, the one component that seems to drive the index up or down, I've been looking at you know the numbers now for a couple of years, is profitability. So expectations on future profitability. This time it came down. The profitability component fell from 107 last quarter to 66 this quarter. And that's as low as it's been since the start of the pandemic. So I think for regulators, you know, when community bankers express concern over their ability to earn profits in the coming year, they have to kind of say, well, why? What's going on? And there's quite a few things. I mean, we have declining loan demand because consumers and businesses are flush with a lot of cash. And you have squeezed net interest margins. So in other words, the interest rate you know, uh, margins that they use to to earn profits is getting narrower and narrower. 
So regulators just need to really watch out that they don't reach for yield. They don't take on risky projects. You know, are they looking at the supply chain problems and labor shortages uh, for the firms that they regulate? Are the are they mitigating risks? You know, and also, could there just be excessive bubbles that could arise from a lot of this liquidity, like maybe in housing or in equities or or elsewhere? And they could be regional and they could be in small pockets. So um, these are kind of things to watch. Well, that's a lot of interesting insight into, into what's going on with community banks. And it sounds like just like the rest of the year, we've had our highs, we had our lows, and we're just going to keep riding that wave. So, uh, Tom, thank you so much for all this valuable information. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And be sure to check out the beer game. I will, I will put it in the show notes for everybody. Thank you. <laughs> all right.